All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Limitless MD. I'm your host, Vic Ryan. Today, I have a very special guest, Dr. Christopher Liu. He is an MD, PhD doctor that got into one of the most elite uh, trainings in the country, you know, orthopedic surgery. And he did it in a very unique time. He got it during the middle of the financial crisis, 2007, 2008. He was in the middle of it. And then something happened to where he's like, you know what? I'm going to pivot. And, you know, a lot of us physicians, we wait, we practice, we do all that. And then we pivot. This gentleman decided to pivot in the middle of his training. He left his practice, he left his tra uh, trajectory of becoming a, you know, well-paid, well-heeled orthopedic surgeon and went into investing. He developed a company for financial freedom for physicians. And now he's here to tell the story of all the different passive income streams and active income streams he's doing outside of medicine to inspire doctors just like you listen to the podcast. What if you could reclaim hours of free time each week, create legacy building wealth, and devote more energy to your passion projects without giving up on your career as a life-saving MD? My name is Vikram Raya, functional cardiologist, high-performance coach, and real estate expert. And I'm here to give you the tools, strategies, and solutions you need to transform your life so you can unlock your limitless potential and achieve greatness all the while freeing up your precious time. Welcome to Limitless MD. Let's dive in. So with that said, Christopher, welcome to the show. Hey, Vic. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, I don't do very many of these. And when I do, I'm really excited and really passionate. And I really want to offer so much value to the audience and the listeners. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. Uh, you're a man of my own heart, man, a person that's seeing the light, seeing that there's options, seeing that freedom is available to every physician out there, and that wealth is a birthright. So talk to me about your story, brother. Like, it's so compelling to me. Yeah, we're real quick. So I'm the founder and CEO of Financial Freedom for Physicians. It's a media and consulting company that I started back in 2016, and it's dedicated solely to serving the physician community, speaking up about the importance of financial literacy, financial freedom, and educating physicians around innovation and technology. So a little bit about my story. <clears throat> I, was, I was born on the cusp of Gen X and millennial, and I actually consider myself a millennial because my mindset and thinking is more in that terms. But from 2000, 2007, I had a storybook career, got into Baylor, for medical school, my first choice, MD, PhD down in the Houston, Texas Medical Center, Rice University, great school. And like all stories with the hero, it has to go through twists, turns, pivots, and you have to go undergo certain things to get to the next level to make a greater impact and achieve their purpose and mission in life. So I started my financial freedom journey back in 2000 during medical school. And became financially free at the age of 29 years old, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, took a lot of the concepts, implemented them, and that's how I got my financial freedom. Nevertheless, I still stuck to the traditional path, matching into orthopedic surgery in 2007. Wait, I, uh, Chris, 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 you can't be speed rolling through all of this. There's a lot of juicy tidbits that my audience and the doctors that are listening to this podcast need to learn. So- you're in medical school and you are achieved financial freedom. Is that correct? Yeah, that's okay. correct. I, there's, since there's so much to talk about on this podcast, break down <laughs> in three simple steps exactly what you did to achieve financial freedom in medical school. 
So one thing I had was uh, time. So I was 22 to 29 years old. So I had a lot of time back then, uh, really easy credit, a lot of resources and uh, investing, especially in stocks. There's during the bull run, real estate was really cheap in the Houston Medical Center. So that was one thing. Second thing is I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I'm sure everybody has picked it up. But if you haven't really go and check it out, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, multiple streams of income, where I saw that we could no longer depend upon a job for financial security and safety. And so I started implementing a lot of the concepts. The easiest way I got in was through the stock market. It was really easy. I could open up a brokerage account. I had some savings and it was during a bull run. So almost everything went up. So I made a significant amount of money during that time. So those are the three steps. You read books and you invest in stocks and real estate. Is that is that as simple as this? Yeah. And that's okay. how I got my okay. financial. Got funding. it. Got it. Wanted to make sure that my audience picked that up. Great. Let's move on to your existential crisis in orthopedics. <laughs> yeah. So I took the traditional path. Um, everybody in my class was matching into awesome residencies. And so I did the same. And I picked the really, you know, deep down when I look at the list of specialties, none of them really appealed to me. I was more of an entrepreneur, but, you know, crowd heard mind thinking. So I picked orthopedic surgery because that was the highest paying specialty. And, you know, I thought I could make a good living out of it. And I'm, I'm more of a surgeon type thinking. So got in and I realized, you know, day one, I walk into orientation, that room, and my intuition was like, this isn't going to work out. I'm more of an entrepreneur. I saw the healthcare crisis looming. And so 2008 hit, and that was where I saw the same individuals profiting off of the public. And it was my it was a great opportunity for me. So for the audience out there, the be best opportunity from 2009 to 2020 it was an awesome time to be building and creating wealth, starting companies, investing in real estate, the bull run, and all of that. So that's kind of what I did. And I took a leap of faith, turned in my keys, badge and pager, moved back to Houston, and started investing in single family real estate over an eight year period. And amassed a portfolio such that I was able to retire at the age of 38 years old and I was 2016. So this 2016. So let's 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 unpack some of that again. Okay. Awesome. So <laughs> did you do this on your own? Did you have friends? Did you have family? Where did you get the capital from? Let's talk about some of that. Yeah. So I tell these inspiring stories because I had three things going for me. One is I had no student loan debt. So the second thing was Houston real estate was extremely cheap. So to give you an example, a two bed, two bath, single family condominium was going for around 70 to 80K back then. And last thing was it was easy capital and credit. It, the banks were still lending. These days you can't find that, but those were the three things. Um, and I was able to get started. Okay. So Chris. We're about to get into what I think is the next 2008 light, I like to call it. Um, you know, I've been giving uh, a ton of um, economic discussions and podcasts and webinars all over the country on, you know, where we're going real estate wise, economy wise, Fed interest rate rise. That being said, I'd love to pick your your brain on a person who seems to sense trends, sense opportunities in the fluctuations of the market economic cycles. You know, they say you know, uh, history doesn't repeat itself, but they it rhymes. And mm. that being said, how are you getting ready 
to take advantage of what is coming next? So uh, to be a caveat, um, what I like to say is uh, the economic environment these days is a lot different than back in 2008. So the a little bit back then you could do one or two strategies. Um, you kind of knew the direction and trend, but now here you have a lot more uncertainty and volatility. And so you have to be a little bit more nimble. Certain asset classes will go up and down and they become uncorrelated with each other. So for me, uh, how I'm positioning and uh, pivoting is I'm looking more into the digital asset ecosystem. So to, to, to as a caveat, as a disclaimer, do physicians need to be in digital assets? No, they don't. They they can they can do their you know they can invest in dollar cost average in the stock market. You know, real estate is kind of tricky now with interest rates. But all I'm trying to position myself is increasing options. It's another avenue to diversify your portfolio. It's either to increase your gains or to hedge against economic uncertainty. So that's how I'm kind of positioning in. So when you uh, said options, are you referring to optionality or are you referring to stock options? So more more choice, more options. Okay, option. Uh, okay. So yeah. I want to uh really cut through everything because a lot of people use high-level language and my physicians, <laughs> they just want to know what the heck that people who are successful are thinking now. So you're buying stocks carefully and you're looking for opportunities in real estate. Is that what you're really saying? Uh, current in the current market? Yes. Yeah. So and current market. And obviously yeah. the digital assets is uh, is thought leadership and all the other stuff. That's another stream of passive income. I've had people like Chester Zoda. I've had people like Peter Kim on here who are creating digital assets, digital infrastructures, digital followings, eyeballs, if you will, which is the next liquid gold. But before we get into that, just want to unpack traditional assets and alternative assets, stocks yeah. and some real estate. Is that what I'm hearing or is there anything else? Yeah. So just traditional assets. Um, for now, like I, what last year was a great year to be dollar cost averaging into the, into stocks, especially, you know, big name uh, stocks is um, so this dollar cost averaging strategy real will work over the long term If you have like 10, 15, 20 years, Real estate, I'm a little bit more cautious on because of the interest rate volatility, you know, whether we're going to go into a recession, commercial real estate, all of that. So I'm a little bit more cautious this year. So um, and then moving into the digital asset ecosystem, which sure. I'm sure you're going to ask about. Yeah, let's go into the digital assets in a second. Last question on the real estate is, do you own real estate right now? If so, what asset classes? So yeah, I do I do own uh, real estate as it's a main component of my portfolio, about fifty to sixty percent currently, and it's all in single family. So it's um just basically and in um, Houston, 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 Texas. Yeah, got it, got it. Okay, cool, um, uh, fantastic. So let's get into digital assets. What the heck are digital assets? <laughs> what is a digital asset ecosystem, and why are you so keen on that right now? Yeah. To be, you know, to give you a really interesting backstory was I went to school with the co-founder and now CEO of Coinbase. And that's how I got introduced to the concept of Bitcoin. And I, initially I was very skeptical about it, but I went to, I went and read the white paper and, and it really uh, opened my eyes to how fragile our financial s system is. So I invested early back in 2012 and I've continued to add in to my portfolio into my holdings. Um, 
have also invested early into Ethereum as well, which is back in 2017, which is another type of uh, digital asset. It's more of kind of like the um, the internet, decentralized internet, the currency of the decentralized so internet. You're investing in blockchain and cryptocurrency, and you're still bullish on that, despite yeah. what we've seen, which is the crypto winter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right now is the best time because right now is the Bitcoin happening, which is next year, which basically reduces the supply by half. So every four years, Bitcoin supply gets halved. So in as the demand grows, you'll see the rate of adoption, the hash rate, all of the mining, all the activity is is um, increasing at an exponential rate compared to the early days of the internet, which is why I'm really bullish about it. Short term, you're going to experience a lot of volatility, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of regular, uh, sorry, regulatory unclarity. But if you if you zoom out 10, 20 years, this could be the next internet, in my opinion. Now, do physicians need to get into this? No, they don't. They have very high incomes. They have stable incomes. They can invest in real estate, stocks, and all that. But like I said, it's just another avenue. It's another option for you to diversify your portfolio, especially given the recent banking failures, the financial crises that we're seeing more and more frequently. So the way uh, I, you know, I always think about think about investing in buckets. So you have more of a growth security bucket. You know, it could be some things with like very fixed income kind of returns, and then you know, stocks could be, or depending on stocks slash real estate, could be you know secondary buckets where there's, the growth is a little bit faster, but the risk as you know, slightly increased. Um, and then finally, you know, uh, more of a speculative investment could be the crypto where high risk, high reward. And and then uh, is there anything else that you want to share with our audience on strategies to either invest or create passive income streams? In terms of the uh, digital asset ecosystem or? Yeah. Do you only uh, mean crypto and blockchain or is there other digital assets you're referring to? Because I'm looking at a new different physician landscape. I'm seeing uh, physicians creating companies that are highly valuable, and it's valuable because of the IP, because of the branding, because of the eyeballs, because of the network. That's the digital assets that I'm starting to see emerge that mm. private equity is actually buying. Yeah. So uh, do you have any knowledge on that? Or are you really referring, when you say digital assets, really the crypto and the blockchain? So there's another... Uh, new asset class called non-fungible tokens. They're called NFTs. Mm -hmm. um, again, these are highly speculative. And um, But again, in, do physicians need this? No, but it's another way. But uh, the underlying technology of non-fungible tokens is going to empower ticketing, digital identity, membership, loyalty rewards. You're seeing, you're starting to see major brands such as Nike, Starbucks, all of these um, try to incorporate this new technology. So you, right now you're seeing a lot of speculation with, um, you know, uh, JPEGs and just kind of people paying exorbitant amounts for these pictures. But like I said, um, with any technology, there's always going to be speculation. There's going to be always hype. But um, when you boil down to it, you look at the underlying technology. So, uh, you know, I do own a couple of NFTs. Uh, this just for my own personal collection. And I like to learn the technology and learn how to use it. Um, it's not something I would recommend to the physician community, but it's something to consider to look at, you know, going forward. So let's let's go back to a physician who is earning $300,000 a year. They are successful. They've invested in the mutual funds that their hospital has provided. Um, they, you know, have been able to pay off some school debt. 
and they're married and their their physician spouse also makes about 200 so now together they're making about 500 um they're you know in their mid 30s and they're looking for explosive growth they're looking for hey can i retire early hey can i be financially independent what advice do you have for this power physician couple it's really interesting because there's two cohorts, like the younger generation, the millennials and the Gen Z, they understand digital assets. Um, and this, and there's a lot of asymmetric growth, meaning that you put in a, a little, you can get a lot. Again, it's a lot of it's speculation, so you can lose everything. But um, if you're looking to diversify your portfolio, I think the this this you know one percent of your net worth into digital assets, such but um, I think the safest are is Bitcoin. So you could put one percent. If you lose that, you can you can recover. However, if Bitcoin, you know, the price of Bitcoin, you know, goes up to hundred k, you know, and above, then you can capture some of that that uh, upside potential. So that's that's one thing. But again, you you don't need to do this because as you know, making five hundred k a year, you can like I said, dust color average. You can invest in real estate. Main thing is um, have a savings plan. You know, keep your expense, watch your expenses, and keep your tax liability low. So that's kind of you know, that's it's always this dichotomy between you know high income. Do they need this um, versus you know there's safer and alternative ways. So the way I like to think about it is so for example there's private equity there's hedge funds there's venture capital there's angel investing do you need to go into these to be financially successful no but it's another way to increase your gains uh, capture some of the asymmetry capture some of the upside you know if you can afford the downside risk that's awesome man that's awesome so you know i'm a kiyosaki fan myself and so i i love the quote where he says it's not the investment that's risky it's the investor and so that being said, I think for the physician listening, uh, let's gain some more knowledge. Let's get specialized in at least one of these categories and, and then really double down on that thing. You know, uh, Warren Buffett says, invest in what you know and invest in what yeah. makes sense to you. So if you can understand it, you can explain it, you learn more than the average bear, then double down, optimize, maximize. And then when you're ready to diversify, consider a second or third asset class that you start learning about. So great advice, great advice, brother. Give me the top three, uh, either investing, financial, or sort of business books that have really tickled your your brain recently. Oh man, uh, there's so many. I'm always I'm an avid reader. I um, I read about one book a day, but um, one uh, one book that's really good is called The Psychology of Wealth. And one of the big takeaways was that um, people invest based on what is going around them. So if you look at example, like Bill Gates, if he wasn't born in the era of the, you know, the PC, Microsoft wouldn't have been born. And it's just a fascinating discussion about how um, uh, investor wealth and how actually wealth is created. So that's one. A couple of other books that really multiple streams of income is, is a great one. It talks about diversifying your income streams, just like portfolio insurance, just like health insurance, Multiple streams of income will ensure you against any sort of economic uncertainties, job loss, et cetera. Uh, Think and Grow Rich is great. Uh, lead the field. Like, uh, of course, Robert Kiyosaki, he's a, you know, all of his ideas are really great. And two books that I've recently come across, it's called The Fourth Turning. And it's talking about these cycles where, you know, right now you're seeing, you know, political, economic, social, client, all these uncertainties. And that's because at the top of each cycle and 
after each reset, you're going to have all this turmoil. And then over the next few years, you're going to have calm and peace. And now is the best time as an entrepreneur, investor, creator to be creating companies, investing, creating wealth for yourself, investing in businesses. Um, and then the other one is uh, the Changing World Order by Ray Dalio, which talks about how the United States is transitioning from the center of geopolitical influence to sharing the stage with China and in the future countries such as India. And it, it's a fascinating story on debt, uh, economic crisis cycles, um, printing. Uh, I highly recommend it. That's amazing, man. What a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much, Chris. So guys, those books, just in case you didn't capture, will be in the show notes. Psychology of Wealth, Multiple Streams of Income, Think and Grow Rich, Lead the Field, Fourth Turning, which Bill Clinton loves. Ray Dalio's, obviously, uh, uh, probably third or fourth classic book, Changing World Order. And that being said, how can people learn more about you, Chris? Easiest way, uh, go to my website. I'm sure it's going to be in show notes. It's www.drchrislewmdphd.com. Just fill out a form with your name and email address. Uh, it'll, it'll connect you to all my social media sites. I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. I have a podcast as well, a growing YouTube channel, blog. Uh, reach out to me and uh, you know we'll get you into the ecosystem. Thank you so much, Chris. That's awesome. Thank you guys for listening to this uh, episode. And uh, guys, until next time, be phenomenal. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Limitless MD. If you found value from this episode, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend and let me know by leaving a review. For more information, make sure you check out the links in the show notes below or simply visit VikramRaya.com. So until next time, my friends, be phenomenal.